Shemai, Kroisor, and welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. This week, we have an interview with Derek Pickin of Rogerston Cricket Club, who's going to tell us a little bit about its past and present, and also some of his favourite cricketing stories. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Derek. Welcome, uh, Derek Pickin of uh, Rogerston Welfare Cricket Club. Is that the right title? Yes, that's correct. And what official position do you now hold with the club, Derek? Well, I, I've been chairman of the club since my retirement. Uh, that was following on my uh, late uh, f- uh, friend, uh, uh, Dr. John Charles Evans, who was an uh, asset to the club. And I just feel sorry that I wasn't able to carry on working with him and I had to succeed him. So before we talk about cricket, can you tell us a little bit about Rogerston, the place? Rogerston, back in the... 1800s was a very, very uh, rural village, hardly any uh, houses at all. Uh, then uh, there was a small steelwork set up. And then in 1888, Nettlefold Steelworks uh, moved down from Shropshire to uh, uh, Rogerstone because they were, Rogerstone was nearer the coast, nearer at railway links, uh, canal links. Did the development of the industry in, in the village have an impact on the playing of cricket? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and also on soccer. Actually, they were they, Rogerstone became one of the best soccer sides in um, uh, South Wales, and, and they were all Shropshire guys. Uh, Newport County and, and Swansea City would uh, form them, and Cardiff City could not get into their league because of their facilities. Um, Cardiff City, as you probably know, derived from Riverside Cricket Club, uh, who played, I understand, at Squire Gardens. Yeah, so that was the uh, that's where the cricket started, and they were actually. A, winners, the inaugural winners of the Newport District Cricket League. And when was that, uh, Derek? That was 1900. There was but, yeah. probably a little bit of a crossover between the football and the cricket. Some of the same individuals yeah. would play both both games? Uh, almost, uh, yeah, almost certainly. I, I've, I have no... They played on the same field. Uh, my grandfather and his brother played. Uh, I have my grandfather's... Photographs of my grandfather's medals. What made you take an interest in the history of the club? Well, it all started from, in fact, was my uh, my late cousin's husband asked me to explain to his daughter uh, what was the history of the family. So I started probing into the history of family, which led me into the uh, the soccer photographs. But then uh, it led to the formation of the um, Rogerstone Local History Society. My sector was sports. Oh, Andrew, Andrew has got in touch with me. Uh, that's prompted me to put a timeline over what more or less put the whole history of the club together. Wyke and Trinigan, or Lord Trinigan, giving us the ground, the village, the ground in uh, 1928 of 27, 28 over negotiations, but uh, which finally opened in 1929. That was obviously a huge step because they were playing on a, a ground which was very few facilities. Uh, we went to then to play on the welfare grounds without any pavilion. Uh, we had a, a big house there, today house. Our showers, I think, called showers, were in the in the stables. Uh, we had tea rooms in there. Then Bethesda Church, which is a uh, the oldest uh, chapel in the in the village, uh, they gave us their tennis pavilion, and that got brought down, and that was absolutely huge. It was probably about ten foot square foot, <laughs> and two dress two changing rooms of that size. Preparing of the of the the square, the wicket was uh, done on a Friday evening, and it was cut with a hand pushed cylinder mower. Uh, and then rolled uh, with a big, uh, heavy uh, metal roller and throw as many kids on as we could to 
give it a bit more weight. And uh, uh, so you can imagine what the kind of wickets we were playing on in those days. So they certainly weren't the roles that we have today. So the cricket, the cricket field was quite an attraction for the youngsters at the time. Then they'd all make their way down I, there. To yeah, I spent all my summer there when I was kids. Uh, there was nowhere else to go really in those days. We had no leisure centres or anything like that. So all of the school holidays we were down there playing cricket. Going on from there, the real huge thing was, uh, my, as I mentioned, my late friend's uh, friend, Dr. Uh, John Charles Evans, uh, who was a superb character. He uh, pushed for a lottery grant. We now have a two-story uh, pavilion with a balcony, which was added later. Uh, and that really uh, set the, uh, uh, the ground off and, uh, and put us on the, on the cricket map. Because we, we know it's something which is really very attractive. So how old were you, Derek, when you started playing cricket with the club? I, I guess I was 14, 15, probably 14, I would guess. Because uh, we used to play sort of, uh, you know, on the old uh, works ca- uh, uh, car park when we were kids. Uh, when I went to the grammar school, uh, you know. And of course, at basic grammar school in those days, it was, it was sports, man. No one ever got detention for uh, uh, by having to stay in classrooms or staying on right lines, uh, your, punish, your punishment was uh, every dinner on your hands and knees uh, picking weeds out of, the, out of the cricket square. And that was the headmaster's instructions. <laughs> and um, what, what sort of teams would Rogerston be, uh, be, would have been playing at that time, sort of the 1950s, 1960s? Yeah, well, what you have to remember is that two things. Uh, uh, first of all, Five years after the in the nineteen fifties, just about ten years after the war, the Second World War ended, people were very very happy to be alive. So it was a completely different uh, atmosphere to what we have these days, uh, uh, where it's uh, league cricket and everything is very very serious and competitive. In those days, it was nearly all friendlies. I'll give you an example of uh, how life was then, and something which has never ever I will never ever forgot. First eleven David was down at uh, on the island down at Barry. It was a friendly game. I was a, I was a very young uh, uh, first team debutant, opening bowler, and uh, I had this guy Plum LBW. I knew it, he knew it, but uh, the umpire had uh, other other views for some reason. Uh, the next ball uh, I ran in bowled. Fortunately, it was straight. The batsman deliberately took a step a yard back, let the ball hit his stumps, put his hand up and said to the umpire, I'm sorry, George, and off he went. And that's that's how sporting things were in those days. Quite a little bit different today. (laughs) Yes. There's a lovely little uh, item in the timeline that you produced for uh, Andrew, dating about, about 1960 where you possibly were ahead of the curve in arranging play on a Sunday. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? One of the stipulations of the bike uh, on Trinigo when he gave the ground to the village was that there would be uh, no games on Sundays, no political or religious meeting. So that was sort of in, in the, the lease, uh, which had long been uh, passed on at most things other than uh, Sunday cricket. So we played all our Sunday crickets uh, games away and they were usually usually coach trips and a, you know, a big event for wives and families um, but we couldn't play at home which was uh, you know, a little bit annoying so we wrote and asked the community council and they were very hesitant to um, make a decision so in the end they, they decided 
I think by probably by a close majority to uh, uphold a referendum, as I, I described it as. And they actually sent out stamped postcards to probably one and a half thousand houses in the village at that time. They had the usual sort of uh, high response of about, I think it's about a hundred. And I can remember all these postcards being left in the uh, in the meeting room at the uh, the old house there. And uh, we collected a couple of them, which were sort of against cricket. One was, uh, uh, I think there was one we said, and opened the old Globe as well, which is the pub just up the up, up the hill from the ground. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it was 90%. Oh, oh, just over 90% in favour of uh, Sunday cricket of those who uh, who responded. And I, I would guess more, a large majority of those who responded were cricketers anyway. So it was all a bit of a done deal, I guess. Uh, but even then, the uh, community council uh, were still uh, a little bit reluctant to uh, let us do anything. And they were, we have a letter of concern from them which says, yes, providing we uh, have a very strict supervision, uh, and they were concerned about the effect on other sports. Uh, I said that, that meant that they were concerned that football and other uh, uh, tennis might want to start playing on Sundays as well. Uh, so they allowed us at the end uh, to have six games at OB6. So we took that. Uh, uh, that was in 1960, as you say. Glamorgan went through a series of, of discussions and debates in the mid-1960s about having uh, games on a Sunday, eventually sort of acquiesced around about the same time as the John Player League was started, which was 1968. Yeah, so it's, in, yeah. it's interesting to see how far values and ideas were changing, you know, long before the actual kind of um, formal and first-class cricket caught up with them. Another good friend of mine, uh, uh, Richard Thomas, uh, I, I guess you must not, but you know Richie from Pantague originally. Okay. Um, he was he, he was the captain of Wales against the Cavaliers uh, uh, because that was the only cricket there was on a Sunday in those, in those days. He first came across Roger Stone when he played for, at Newport Fugitives, a uh, six-a-side competition. And uh, Richie was well known as captain of Wales uh, at, at the time. Uh, and uh, we had one character called uh, uh, Jeff Walsh, uh, who's not, very, not in the best of health these days, but uh, he, was, uh, he played every shot which, which wasn't in the book. You know, you, you just couldn't bowl to him. Uh, 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 so uh, everybody, and he's a bit of a character, everybody knows him, knows him in cricket at that time anyway. And uh, we're in the six side competition. We have uh, uh, Richie Thomas, captain of Wales, following the first ball to this character at the other end, who's sort of tall and thin and, and looked uh, nothing like a cricketer. And the first ball Richie bowled to him, uh, he, he hit Richie straight back over his head into a uh, High Cross School, which is quite a, quite a hit, and much to the amusement of the beer tent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Richie was a, a great fellow. I, I, I toured with Richie and a lot of other good cricketers uh, on a Monmouthshire Nomads cricket tours in uh, 1969-ish. I remember that because we were watching them put them up uh, when they first landed on the moon through a shop window in Devon. So. Did you follow first-class cricket? Did you watch or, or follow Glamorgan at the time? Yeah, I followed them as, as much as I could. But of course, playing so much as we did uh, in those days, it was difficult to sort of follow them. And... and who were your sort of cricketing heroes in the world of cricket, Derek? Who did you admire most? And... I would say both of them. Both, both of them would be my, uh, my favourite. 
uh, Dennis Compton came back in my the old days and Len Hutton, of course. Now, I, I did notice in the timeline uh, for the year 1983, a very significant uh, point in the club's history. You won the Rogerston Community Council General Knowledge Quiz. <laughs> was that a was yeah. that a big event? <laughs> well, it was. You have to remember that the community hall was the new building opened in 1981, uh, and then the clerk of the council decided to have uh, uh, a general knowledge quiz. So we put a, a team in um, the cricket club. We've always had a very very good relationship with the community council. Uh, we. We offer our facilities if they want them for anything. For example, when uh, Rogerstone a primary school burned down, uh, we're very much part of the community. So, given that there are you, almost about seventy years of sort of cricketing history uh, for you uh, in association with the club, have you got any favourite memories or stories about uh, playing cricket? Or- I, I mean, I wasn't a, uh, a batsman as such. But, uh, I. I I might get up to number three in it occasionally, uh, but uh, my one good, uh, oh, funny memory is that uh, which we were playing uh, Orb Works at uh, at Rogerstone, and uh, that's another club whose cricket team has gone sadly in another housing estate. But we were playing though, and uh, oh, and it was, again this is in the days of friendly friendly cricket. Uh, one of the guys playing there was uh, uh, the late Alan Woods. Were a very great friend of mine. His son Gary, uh, and I believe his his son as well played cricket over Newport. And uh, we were playing this game, and we were we were chasing 163, and we were way behind the clock. Our captain had given it given up the ghost, and I said, "Don't give it up. Let me go out there and have a tonk." So I went uh, I went out there and uh, started hitting, and I just couldn't do anything wrong. The ball was just gone six. Every, Every time I hit it, it was virtually a six. And I hit one six. And I watched it land in the football field. So obviously the ball is now dead. And as I put my back down, it hit the wicket. And the bail fell off. No. But, but the ball's dead anyway, so it didn't really matter. Uh, I picked the bail, I picked the bail up and put it on. But Alan Woods, uh, uh, Newport, uh, Newport County centre half, and a very, very good player. Uh, was at mid-off, um, and he said, umpire, umpire, he said, it's wicked. So I flicked the bail back off to put it back on the ground where it was. And our umpire, it's just, uh, bear in mind the team was full of other footballers, uh, not not uh, Newport County style, but you know, uh, high, high, high lower league footballers in Newport. And our umpire just typically, uncharacteristically, turned towards Alan Woods, Newport County, and said, I did his finger, and he said, look, you need to concentrate on your football, because I'm telling you now, if you lot were playing in my back garden, I'd pull the blankety-blank blinds down. <laughs> and whereupon, the whole, the whole of their team collapsed. They were in fits of laughter, rolling on the floor, literally. And... Uh, Every time I took youth teams over to Newport, I quite often see Alan Woods, and, uh, 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 God bless him, and uh, he'd say to me, Derek, the number of times I've told that story, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but uh, yeah, so that was one of the... Okay. I, I know from other co- 
I know from other colleagues, volunteers at the museum, there is a story about a, a touring team. Oh yeah, Willows. Uh, yeah, Willows is a, 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 a Sunday team from the Bristol area. They were, they were players from, you know, big clubs in, in Bristol, down, down End and, you know, all the, all the big clubs from over there. And uh, for some reason they, they, they played on Sundays and they came to Rogerstone. For some reason they took a light into Rogerstone. And this was not when we had our new facilities. This was when we had, uh, you know, it was pretty grim and, and, and bare there. And, uh, but they came the one, year, the one year and they came over with this little small coffin, about 12 inches long. And they said, look, we're sorry, but uh, George, uh, our captain, loved Roger Stone and he, he sadly passed away in the pre-season. Uh, but uh, we asked his wife, uh, if we could bring his ashes to the ground and if he could participate in this in this the game at Rogerstone, which he he absolutely loved. Because he hadn't died, of course, it's just one big story. But uh, so they came with this coffin and uh, uh, throughout the match they placed this coffin at his favourite fielding position, which I think was Swell Egg. And uh, and one of their guys actually wrote a hard covered book on it, uh, Tales of a Village uh, Cricketer '66 Not Out. Um, and he, he, we had a chapter on this. It was, it was, entitled, it was titled "There's a Coffin in the Valleys." Uh, and, but he, it, it's with a bit of a you know, license. He, he put things in there like uh, uh, George Fielder did his usual square leg position, and uh, he even got a bit of coffin on the ball sometimes, and, uh, <laughs> and had his usual, had his usual uh, uh, lemonade and sandwiches for for tea, uh, and then. Uh, we went down to the, there was a reference to her being in the pub afterwards celebrating. And sadly, we said we left George, George's ashes behind on the bar amongst the cigarette ends and the empty glasses. But he, he would be quite content and quite at home amongst them. So. <laughs> but it was, was very well written. He also told me a story uh, just over the phone when I rang him. That, uh, he said, my son who was scoring on that, they will never, ever forgive me for what we did to them. Your, your your dear old tea lady uh, and what they did apparently uh, was they there was mounds of sandwiches on the, on the table and they hid all the sandwiches under the table and asked her said they were, were delicious could we have some more please and she went and made some more sandwiches oh. <laughs> they had to take them into the dressing room I told them that's we're eating these whatever happens we've got to eat them <laughs> but anyway so Dangerous okay. thing upsetting the tea ladies, I'd have thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, other, my other claims to fame, of course, is that uh, we, Ponty and Mister, who are a very good side in those days, sadly have gone gone down completely now, and combined with Crosskeys. But uh, they had a blank weekend, and they asked us if um, uh, uh, we managed to get a fixture with them. And they were way above us in the league, and. To cut a long story short, uh, we played the first 11 at home and we beat them. And I had the first nine wickets. Uh, uh, mainly only because uh, their star cricketer was an ex rugby league uh, player, uh, uh, Roy uh, Pritchard. Uh, he, he edged one to Gully and one of our guys just dived and the ball just stuck in his hand. And, uh, uh, and that, that, if you get Roy out, you, you only get one chance. If you get him out, you're in with a chance. And, uh, um, and we beat them. 
uh, and I think I, I think I took nine to twenty-three, and, and funnily enough, uh, at the uh, second eleven game, Ponty missed. Uh, well, uh, they came back uh, back into our dressing room after and uh, said uh, one of their guys, one of the second eleven balls had nine for twenty-two, and one of our characters says, "Bloody hell, that was expensive." Sorry, nine for twenty-three. And one of our characters said, "Bloody hell, that was expensive." Derek had nine for 20, twenty-two. What happened with the tenth uh, wicket, Derek? Well, uh, the other, the other, our other guy at the other, there was a bit of a slope at the one end, uh, uh, so we always had a quick bowler myself at the far end. Uh, we tended to rotate, uh, and at the other end, we have a guy off a shorter run who was sort of all arm action, uh, quite nippy, but it was all from the shoulder. And he came to me. He said, "Derek, he said, what do I do now? Do I leave him for you?" I said, "No." He said, "You get him out." And and the sod did. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a difficult year for for cricket clubs, uh, Derek. How has Rogerston fared um, with uh, last season? We, we we've been okay actually. Uh, uh, much thanks much thanks to our members. Uh, obviously, we had the normal. Uh, we don't we don't do much, that much fundraising over the uh, over the winter, uh, but. The way we pay our subs is by uh, direct debit uh, throughout the year, uh, and also usually most of most of that is combined with a one hundred club number. So that was money was still going in, uh, irrespective of whether we were playing any cricket at all. And uh, of course, our, our president of the club, you probably noticed, is Steve uh, Jones, uh, uh, who hails from Rogerstone, who is uh, rugby correspondent for Sunday Times and Times. Uh, he's a really good friend of us. He's very good to the club, and he rang me up very early. Usually, he's late, he's late giving us his donation. Uh, uh, he, he called me. Uh, I got in touch with me very early on, uh, before the season even started, and said, "How how are we doing?" Uh, he said, "Okay, I'll get my donation over to you." Uh, and then he again he uh, he called. Got in touch with me a little bit later during the season, and he said, "How are we doing financially there?" I said, "Well, we're doing okay, Steve. Actually, so, well, he said, I, I, I'd like to make a further donation anyway." He said because uh, I've had a little project which has worked out well for me, and uh, so he, he gave us a little bit more than he did in normal years. Uh, so it was really, really good uh, uh, to the club, and uh, and he has Rogers done quick. Um, that's the only thing he misses. Uh, when he left Rogerstone, uh, he lives in Tapolo now, and uh, uh, the only thing he misses with Rogerstone is his cricket. Um, I'm interested listening to you talk about your own sort of cricketing past. Um, opening bowler, quick bowler, um, and yet the cricketers you mentioned have been mainly batsmen or, or kind of or spin bowlers. Do you have any fast bowling uh, heroes uh, uh, from the past that you uh, like to think of or remember? In my day, it was Statham and, and uh, Freddie Truman, of course. Uh, who we got then? Oh, the other John John Price, the Middlesex bowler. Yeah, he actually uh, came to watch Rogers Stone play. Believe it or not, this is this is in the days of um, of no Sunday cricket. He was a good friend of uh, a guy called Clive Richards down at my stay in Celtic, and. Uh, they were in the RAF together, and if uh, Middlesex were playing Glamorgan over a weekend, there's been no cricket on a Sunday, and uh, so uh, John Price would 
come down, go, go down to my state, watch a game of cricket, and whiskey uh, is an uh, XRAF uh, mate. Uh, I don't know if you remember, John, probably not. He had a long curved no. run, long, a long curved run up. You know. I have to mention uh, uh, my uh, uh, fellow opening bowler, uh, uh, Brian Jones, who was. Um, uh, superb bowler in his day, uh, same back well, in his day, same. He's 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 the same age as me. So, uh, but we were we were when I mentioned we rotated. It was either depending who held the uh, position. It was Brian used to be in the forces at RAF, and uh, uh, when he if I, if I held the position, Brian would uh, be, be second change, but. Uh, then he'd uh, push to an uh, opening ball and I'd be second change at, at home. Uh, uh, that was, and if we if we were away, we'd be we'd both be opening one, one at each end. And we have been described as the best opening attack we've ever seen by one of the Bajan players years ago. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't I couldn't not uh, mention uh, Brian, uh, uh, who was our stalwart, and two two others uh, uh, who uh, still. Uh, Three others who, who still come to the ground every every game on a Saturday, and that's uh, David Williams, a very good spin bowler. Probably too too good for the standard he was playing in because he turned the ball far too much. John Hackling, uh, our skipper, uh, for many many years, and uh, and ben, Bentley Morris, uh, and they're still still come to every game uh, with their wives, which is nice to have a get together and chat with them. Clearly, you've loved your cricket and you've been very committed to, to the local club. Cricket, an important thing for you in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, I've been involved. I, I was the, one of the, I took the coaches course when it was first, when they first started uh, doing coach, uh, coaching. And that was about late 1979. I took the course down at uh, the sports centre near the next door to Swire Gardens there. Uh, and then we started uh, started the youth cricket. Uh, uh, so I, I've been involved with youth cricket ever since then, apart from my break. And then when I went back uh, uh, back to the club, uh, they started, restarted. So I've been involved uh, uh, right the way through there. And we've had some wonderful kids from then coming through the club. Well, uh, the beauty of it is it's such a a character building game and uh, you know it's and it's not an individual a team a team game where you like soccer wave and run around and as a kid and hide in the crowd with cricket it's a team game but also an individual game where if you're on your own and you're batting it's 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 you and no one else and uh, but you're also when you're fielding and it's every you're, you're in the team so it's a it's a great character building uh, game and i can honestly say of all the hundreds of well probably thousands of kids I've had go through. I've seen go through the club. I haven't seen a bad one amongst them. Um, it, they're all, they've all been super. Um, this episode will probably go out uh, in the run up to Christmas Day, uh, Derek. Um, would you like to send a message to uh, other recreational clubs in Wales? A Christmas message. A Christmas message. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wish to all the all the clubs in the, in Gwent to uh, thank all the uh, all of all of the uh, volunteers for all of their all of their hard work that they put in throughout Gwent, uh, uh, particularly the uh, the wealth club welfare officers who are so Im so important these days uh, for the support which they've uh, given to myself and uh, 
Ryan Watkins and also the, the welfare team, uh, which includes the Cricket Wales members and, and, uh, and Leisha Hawkins, who was, uh, uh, I would say, had a baptism of fire to, uh, starting a new job with uh, COVID hitting it. They, they've all been wonderfully supportive in all, in all areas. And uh, there's a lot of uh, new stuff going on in cricket, and the Cricket Wales guys are doing a tremendous job in, uh, in trying to uh, uh, put the game on the uh, highlight the game and uh, spread it more and grow it more. And I think uh, uh, it all looks, uh, it's all looking well for the future. Uh, uh, so I'd like to wish everybody involved in cricket throughout Wales, players, parents, volunteers, coaches, cricket Wales staff, uh, presidents and sponsors and spectators, all the very best for Christmas and the new year, which I hope will be uh, a better year, better year than uh, 2020. Thanks again, Derek, for the interview. We hope you enjoyed it. Join us next week when we'll be having a little look back at some of the episodes of the podcast so far, picking out our favourite bits. And do join us in the new year when we'll be bringing to you some more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. Bye for now. Ah!